0: Okay, well, um, here we are back um, in a, another standing in the rubble conversation. But again, um, this, we're particularly looking at the issue around um, George Floyd, what's happening in America, um, Black Lives Matter. Um, and today I am joined um, by a fairly new friend of mine. Um, yeah, Keith Smith, a leader of Gateway Church out in Worcester, Ohio. Um, And we've been on a course together as part of the Jesus Collective and talking around um, leading a Jesus-centered church in a polarized community and reading around some of the history in America. And um, It's been been an interesting few weeks. And then right off the back of that, um, here we are um, with George Floyd and everything that's going on in America. Um, But yeah, welcome, Keith. Great to have you with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm glad and honored to be able to uh, uh share with you today.
0: Um I mean why don't we we start just by just telling us briefly a little bit about your context. Um and yeah, your your context, your journey. Um where yeah, where are you, what's your community like? Um
1: Yeah, definitely. Before. Um well I I am forty-four years old, so Uh, I haven't been on the earth that long, but long enough to have seen a few things uh, in that time. I live in Worcester, Ohio, uh, but I am not originally from this neighborhood or the state. Uh, Worcester, Ohio is in Northeast Ohio. Uh, The largest city uh, closest to us is Cleveland, uh, which is right. Uh, off of Lake Erie and uh, not too far bordering Canada, uh, but Worcester uh, is in Wayne County, which is one of the largest um, agricultural counties in our our state. Uh, Wayne County and Holmes County kind of are uh, connected, and uh, it's actually uh, historically Amish. Uh, in Anabaptist Mennonite uh, environments so it would not be uh, unfamiliar for me to have a horse and buggy uh, on the same road with me on a daily basis. Uh, as a matter of fact there was a time where I was at a four-way stop sign and I was outnumbered. Uh, I was the only car at the four-way stop signs uh, because there were three <laughs> horse and buggies coming from the different directions. Uh, This is a long ways away from where I grew up in uh, Los Angeles County in uh, California. Um, And so my wife and I moved to Ohio back in 2005 uh, to work in a children's home. Uh, We worked in residential treatment settings uh, for teenagers. Um, and lived on the campus there uh, to care for uh, children who have been removed from their homes due to neglect, abuse. And we started that type of work actually in Texas back in 2000. And so uh, as we were associate pastors in different churches, we also worked in that type of setting as well. And so uh, moving here to Ohio, Eventually we felt the call to plant a church in Worcester. And um, I I did not, and I would not have ever imagined myself putting roots down here. Uh, Again, I I really thought the call on my life in ministry was in more of an urban setting because of how I grew up in spaces I felt very comfortable in and uh, connected very well in those spaces. And again, Worcester is a predominantly white community. Um, but I feel God gave us a, uh, a word to establish a, a faith community here. So we planted our church in 2012. And um, it grew uh, rapidly um, in our community, but it really grew as a predominantly white church. Uh, To our surprise, (laughs) you know, um, we have family members all over, uh, but especially our our families or friends that we have down south are just amazed that we are pastoring and leading a predominantly white church. And many of them say this could never, ever happen down south. You'll never have a group of white people that are being led spiritually by a black man um so and yeah go ahead
0: how's that playing out then in the current situation over there obviously we had um the murder of george floyd yep. last week, um, yep. and this is these are tense times um in america yep. and divisive times in america yep. um how, how's that playing out for you um As a black leader in a white, predominantly white town, in a predominantly white church, Um, how's this last week, 10 days been for
1: you? Uh, Honestly, um, it's been a very mixed experience right now. You know, uh, everything happening in our world with uh, the coronavirus, um, the shelter in place, um, and then you had uh, Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, which was the uh, young man that was jogging and and gunned down. Um, And then to have now George Floyd all within this space of time uh, has created in some places a lot of tension. But with the most recent of uh, George Floyd uh, being front and center stage, it has opened up a lot of conversations. Right, And it almost has a feel as if, you know, this is this heavy boulder that's in the center of all of our world is finally maybe moving just a little. <laughs> um,
2: yeah.
1: and, and so for me, uh, it's, this has been an interesting journey because my very first experience with this type of reality um, on a public platform because in the black communities you know this isn't like the shock or the awe or the amazement the thing that uh, is shocking about this is when it's captured on video Mm. okay that's the thing that's that's shocking but for me my first experience of this uh took place when I was in the 10th grade in high school and uh Rodney King Uh, I don't know how yeah, yeah. Familiar. Yeah. yeah. No, this is about 92. I remember it well. Um, Rodney King was beaten five minutes from where I lived and grew up uh, as a kid. Uh, not, I mean, up the street. We rode our bikes with me and my friends up and down the street all the time. And again, it, the shock wasn't that this was happening. This was the first time it was captured. And it was harder to capture it then because people didn't carry around, you know, cell phones with cameras. And uh, it just happened to be caught with a camcorder from an apartment across the street. And the shock came when the verdict returned not guilty for the police officers. When we felt like, wow, we finally captured something on video. um, And they were still found not guilty. And then you had the riots that broke out in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. That it's almost 30 years later. And now my kids, my children are experiencing the same. Well, it's captured on, you know, video. Yeah. It, it has to be a, a guilty verdict. It ha- and I'm preparing them. It's like, that's not guaranteed. You know, we're having the same conversations. The riots and the fires are burning again. Uh, but it does feel different today. So and, I was,
2: was going to
0: ask you about that because you just mentioned like you've got this huge boulder, with, and it's just yeah. beginning, it's just moving a little. Yeah. And I think, you know, in some senses, I can see that. You know, every time, every time a police chief chooses to kneel, rather than armor up every time a police officer chooses to kneel rather than push back with his but every time the every time the the protests are peaceful and powerful and yeah. and united and um every time they get bigger in another city and in yeah. another place like you, you see this build happening. Um, but how does hope feel like and is hope the emotion that you feel, or is or is it rage that the boulder's there at all? Um, is it? Um, do you dare to hope, or or does that feel difficult because you've been there before and just, it's been seen right. before and it didn't go anywhere?
1: Right. I'm I'm by nature uh, very optimistic, um, but in some of these subjects and, and things, uh, it it fluctuates you know it's not a constant um i believe that you know we are on a trajectory of movement and i have hope in that i don't know if my hope is fully in this is going to be a major change today um i i would like to see things in certain ways, uh, open up for conversation. I, I think if people could come to a table and have conversations that are honest, I have hope to see that. Um, the major change again that that hope uh, has been deferred for a lot of t- for a long time, and you know, Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, and so there are places where you realize wow there is a a a wounding and a pain that you carry um, because uh, it seems as if certain things haven't changed even though laws have changed even though you know there has been progress um the hearts that those are the pieces that you know um you want to see changed. And I want to speak specifically to the context of the church.
2: Right.
1: Because um, this is what's unique in the U.S. right now, is we have this incredible gift. (laughs) I'm saying this uh, with sarcasm. We have this incredible gift to polarize and make everything political. The coronavirus was political. Mm -hmm. Um, you could tell where a person was at politically, whether or not they wore a mask or not. And then now racism and some of these conversations landed in the category of being political. And so it made it very difficult to have these conversations in church spaces because it's so polarized politically it quickly turns into a political issue instead of a moral or spiritual issue right and so it's like well we don't hate black people or i don't hate black people uh that would be coming from more of the white churches um and so, or racism really doesn't exist. It's being exaggerated by the media. And so when a conversation is uh, tried to uh, be had in these types of areas, um, it's kind of not taken seriously. And And so because of that, there has been this tension in the church when when it comes to race. Um, either you assimilate into the status quo of white culture uh, or you're labeled as a liberal progressive
2: right.
1: in something politically, and then people don't have to listen to you any longer because now they put it in that box. So for me, what hope looks like is removing these things from those boxes and placing them on the table of brotherhood and having conversations surrounding compassion and empathy and love for neighbor. Let's have a conversation about this here. And so that's, that would be uh, the place where I would want to see hope because if it could start there, then change will come in great ways later
0: yeah yeah it's really and in some ways you know it's it, it feels i totally i see what you're saying and and we see that playing out and i see that playing out on my twitter feed with christians i follow in yeah. the states and and it's it's difficult to watch in that you know when i saw i think i mentioned this in the other conversation i, was there, I saw um Donald Trump used tear gas and rubber bullets to clear a path so he could walk to a church and hold a Bible in the air. Um, I think I said at the time, that's the starkest example I've seen of taking the Lord's name in vain. Like, to to put yourself in a position of, I am the man of God in this situation who's going to bring justice to my people, at the same time as you're threatening violence against your own people. Is you know to put yourself as the image of God in one sense and to live in total opposition to God's nature in at the same time, um, is taking God's name in vain. It's I mean it's yeah it's it's, it's horrific and and you see you know we see over here and we, we we see the conversation we see it become politicized. um You know if you're a Republican then it's not really an issue. And if you're Democrat well then and and I guess you know just to go back to a point you're making earlier about the you know. Um, this being seen um, and you go back to your experience 30 years ago and, and Rodney King, the murder of Rodney King was seen um, but now the murder of George Floyd has been seen but in a time when just seeing something on the news isn't trusted because we don't trust the media and because there's this whole... Yep. So, so then even like, what does that do to your soul when you're going, but you can see it, but you're denying you can see it because the political tone at the moment is we don't trust what we can see. We only trust what we're told by the right. people that we listen to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so frustrating that, that, that is probably, that is probably one of the most frustrating pieces of all of this, where, you vacillate with your, your hope right. because there are such strong opinions that are exalted higher than Christ. I mean, there, there, should right. be some basic, uh, there should be some basic components of living as Jesus followers that allow you to hear the story of a person that's right in front of you instead of believing the narrative of the media that is out there somewhere. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not comparing media stories. We're saying this is my real experience and it's being discounted or shut down because of what somebody hears from the media.
0: So how how are you seeing that in your own church community?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) <laughs> it that's that's an excellent <laughs> question. Uh, our church is, in a way predominantly, uh, I would say, conservative. but there are sprinkles of those who are also will be considered progressive or liberal. Um, and so we have not been a political church ever, and that that suits you fine as long as you don't have those conversations.
2: Right.
1: But whenever there are sparks or things that are happening that generate conversation, you could start to feel the tension within that. Um, and so it is very common to have uh, social media battles <laughs> back and forth with people from the same church. And really what I attempt to do is to um, teach how do you have conversations with people you disagree with and still love them. Uh, We are called to a different kingdom that's not Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, but it's Jesus-centered. And it's amazing. uh, There are some people who are starting to catch this and it's resonating. And there are some who just totally reject it Uh, Because it's like, how can you be a Democrat and be, you know, a Christian? Or how can you be a Republican and be a Christian? And so there are some people who just reject that. Uh, During our 2016 presidential election, Mm -hmm. there were prophetic voices that will come out on social media and pretty much just say, if your church is not on board with Donald Trump, and what God is doing is raising up this Cyrus anointing, then you need to leave that church, just very plainly. And so I have lost people from our community, not because I was pro-liberal or pro-democrat, but because I was not pro-Donald Trump.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and so uh, I've, I've had that happen. Uh, as well, um, we are that going. Gets,
0: that all just gets magnified, right? In the current,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Because it's
0: exactly. down the road, and we've seen, we've we've only seen the more polarization, not less. We've only seen more right. misinformation, not less. We've only seen more. Right. Um, hate, not not less. So, um, yeah, it's so a really difficult time for leading a church
1: in America at the moment it really is um well a case in point would be uh you're talking about um, uh the the incident that just took place with uh Donald Trump uh walking from the white house to the church um and the tear gas uh that cleared the way from the peaceful protesters that, for some people, they spiritualize that in order to um, defend those actions by Donald Trump. You know, you're, you're, you're watching this and viewing this from a different country. You don't even have any skin in the game politically here. But there, there is such a buy-in to that here where I heard someone say that the tear gas was a Holy Spirit mist that opened up a way for Donald Trump to walk through. (laughs) Connecting that form of aggression to God. That's the Holy Spirit Spirit. is doing, you know. And that, has to me, it's like that's not a political issue. This is a getting to the point of, of theological, you know, moral. And when you are saying evil is good and good is evil, it's 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 um that's concerning uh to me. And so the media spins and depending on which news outlet you're listening to and watching, you will get a totally different narrative. Um, yeah. And that makes it very challenging. It does.
0: And I think in this this age of where you know we we surround ourselves with the voices that we agree with and we mute and block the voices that we disagree with and uh, on social media and on our news and whatever. I think, you know, it's, it, it's really easy. I think for us in here in the UK to go, Oh my goodness, that's ridiculous. How could that ever happen? Oh my goodness. What a terrible state of affairs. Thank goodness. You know, we live here and not there, but actually all you're pointing to there is a human um, yeah. condition and a human tendency to justify the things that we, that make us feel uncomfortable and to, um, theologize the things that yeah. um, we want God to tell us we're right on. Um, so, you know, there, there's a challenge there for us. And how do we um, use God to justify our own um, political preferences or social preferences or behavioral preferences or whatever it might be? Um, I think that's, a you know, the, the challenge still remains. It's, it's too easy for us to look at America and go, oh, my goodness, what a terrible mess. Um, the challenge is, Well, where are we doing the same thing?
1: Right. Yeah. No. No, that's right. That's right. So, um,
0: so then, where is hope in this? What? Um, where is? Um, because as a man of faith, as a leader of the church, as a leader in the community, as a, um, a man who's walked this struggle um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and witnessed this struggle his whole life. Um, yeah. What does hope? What does hope look like? Um, no. What is God doing in this? Yeah. What, what do yeah. you believe the Spirit might be up to?
1: I, I tell you what. What I get the most hope in, uh, Adam, um, is what I see Jesus doing in the church right now. In a move of God that I see very much probably in its grassroots infancy right now of a Jesus centered gospel and people hungering for uh, a God that looks like Jesus in a, in a faith that looks like following Jesus right now. I get the most hope in that because right. I think if the church is reformed in some of these areas, it ultimately will lead to change And some of those other places, I think that's where we end up coming around the table to have these type of conversations where people start to see God in a different way. But if their God is distant, if their God is uh, setting up walls and separation, Mm -hmm. and then ultimately people will start to look like the God they believe in and worship. And that's what I think has happened. But if the God becomes inclusive and loving and compassionate, and you know, and filled with mercy and empathy, and then I believe that will start to be, bring a transformation. So mm. some of the conversations that I'm seeing and, and God is stirring in me is uh, the question you had is, where is God in this? Mm. Well, I think that question is being answered by uh, God is in the oppressed. God is in the poor, he's in the hungry, he's in the prisoner, he's in the immigrant, and we have to be able to see Christ there. If if we don't see Christ in those places, you know, so you ask, where was God in the George Floyd, you know, murder? Jesus was in George Floyd. And if we don't see Jesus in George Floyd, there's a problem. You know, and I and I think where I have hope is eyes hopefully are opening up to be able to recognize Jesus in the places where he's feeling. Um, I think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, you could look and ask in that parable, where was God? You know, obviously God was not in the Levite who passed by. He wasn't in the priest who passed by. And generally, you say God is in the Samaritan who stopped. But where I'm challenged right now is to say, wait, no, God was in the man. Jesus was in the man beaten and bleeding on the side of the road. And I think real hope and change comes when we see Jesus in those spaces, not just the rescuer or the hero or the, but he is the victim on the side of the road, bleeding, broken and needing help and help. And so as we're able to see God in those places, I think real change starts to come.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where our, I think it's seeing that, um, yeah, seeing that story differently, isn't it? It's about seeing Allowing ourselves, yeah. to, and a part of this exercise, about you know, not rushing to put stuff out on our church website saying "Black Lives Matter," which, which I mean yeah. which we have done, but it's yeah, it's it's not just about that. It's actually you know this exercise, taking time to listen, yeah, um, to the other voices in the story, <laughs> like yes. taking time to listen and go, t- tell what does God look like from your perspective what is yes what is, sorry, from your perspective what is what does this look like and feel like um, from where you are and you know I I we have been born into a world where um, power is not evenly distributed where privilege is not evenly distributed um, and our privilege leads um, um informs how we read the gospel. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and if we want to understand the gospel um fully, we need to hear the gospel from the from different perspectives, not from positions. Yes. You know, Jesus wasn't ever in a position of privilege. Jesus, yes. you know, he was born into a into a family in an oppressed civilization. He was a migrant because he had to flee the country. He was yeah he, he was trying to lead um, a people, a faith group, whose um, whose religion was in in serious danger of yes. not just demise but elimination. Um, a people who were oppressed and silenced and beaten, and he himself was oppressed and beaten. And yes, and, spot uh, on. So, spot how do on. we how do we hear how how do we hear that voice from a position of privilege yeah how do we understand yeah. that jesus and that gospel um which is so and i think this gives us a real opportunity to like i say to listen to hear different voices to understand where jesus is and the narrative and then it it changes how we read the bible right it changes how we it understand does completely changes. um completely. so how's that i mean talk to me about yeah. that because as a as a yeah black leader of a white church um, yeah what's that journey been like for your church
1: yeah um I I wish I could say that it um, has been smooth sailing. Um, It has not. Um, (laughs) You know, you, you, you would almost think it's like, okay, well, if people come to your church, knowing that you are a black pastor, that means that they are all open for something different and for change. Um, But what I, what I, painfully have come to realize is that um, just because people start in a relationship doesn't mean that they are ready to become intimate. Um, <laughs> there's, there's like these dividing separations between um, diversity and inclusion. Uh, diversity uh, is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance Uh, there's a deeper walk Um, and so as I have grown as a pastor and become more Jesus centered and uh, in that type of journey I've been awakened more to who God has created me and the gospel has set me free in those places and so as we're growing together I've come to places where I felt uh, safe and, and, and love to be more vulnerable with my journey as a black man and so that informs how I speak and preach and share and um, for some that has not been very comfortable for them um, I have not even, gone after the goliath of racism head on because i understand my community and context that i'm in and if people aren't ready to have that type of dance um good people could very much be turned off and throw up walls but so as i've had conversations just on uh how to listen to the other you know how to listen to people who are different than you how to love past feeling comfortable, that has been too much for some people. <laughs> mm. You know, if, if I just share things from my my context, uh, that has become too heavy and people felt uncomfortable. And so uh, I've lost people that I thought would be able to track with us on this journey. Um, and there are some people who have been with us for years a few years uh that when uh the conversation comes up and i share again from the perspective of a black man in america and challenge us to love and grow and to dig deeper in relationships um, that's just too much for some people so that's been hard um and and so you know that whole question of what should be the posture of the church I, I'm, I'm trying to lead my, my church in a place where um, one of the main things that we do is listen. That should be one of the starting postures. Love begins with listening. <laughs> you know, the, the great Shema, you know, is listen, Israel. <laughs> you know, love the Lord your God. You know, and listen. And love well. your neighbor, you know. Yeah. you need to hear before you could love <laughs> and mm-hmm. and so that's the, the the posture that i'm trying to lead is wisdom s- starts from listening and to know how to navigate these spaces that are very difficult very challenging you need to be wise to know how to navigate that uh the the other thing is how to be servants <laughs> you know uh, that's how we lead in the kingdom uh, not from these positions of authority, but from coming underneath to serve, yeah. uh, washing feet. That Those are postures that I'm trying to uh, cultivate and build within my faith community in order for us to have these difficult conversations. Um, it's like, okay, these are the tools. These are the things that we need to have formed in our hearts, you know, to be peacemakers, you know. Uh, you can't fit comfortably in any side uh, of, of opinions or po- politics, you know, and be a peacemaker. You know, peacemakers aren't even in the middle. They're in the in-between, you yeah. know, and they're building bridges. And um, but ultimately, what does it mean to be a minister of reconciliation? That is ultimately what we are called the ministry we are given. And I, I look at that and scriptures that talk about um, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain should be brought low. You see, that, to me, that's reconciliation. Reconciliation looks like something. Reconciliation is not just this relationship where it's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let's hug, you know. Um, you can't do that if you are in completely different places
2: right
1: you know in order to have reconciliation the valleys need to be exalted and the mountains need to be brought low and there's this connection that could take place here the reality is valleys being exalted is really good news if you're in the valley <laughs> mountains being brought low with the same word is challenging if you're in that place of privilege and power. And so for reconciliation to happen, you have to have both of those things, you know, the crooked, the crooked paths need to be made straight. You know, that, that's good news. If you have been hurt by crooked paths, it's challenging if you have benefited from those paths that are crooked, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: that links, doesn't it? I mean, a conversation we were having probably a few weeks ago around uh, the difference between charity and justice.
1: And yes. charity,
0: charity maintains that division. Like, the, I'm right. still rich, comfortable, healthy, whatever. I give to these people who are much lower than I am, and they're a bit better off, right. and I feel better, but the divide still remains. And justice demands right. that we stand along. Right. So that if you're crying, so I'm hurting. Yeah. And hurting. And, and and if yeah. you celebrate and dance, we all celebrate dance. and dance. Like that, justice just is, is the is the leveling, is the standing alongside. And um, yes, and I think that's a that's a theme. So good, Keith. Is there a scripture that's really resonating for you at the moment? Maybe you've just shared it, but um, is there a scripture that's really resonating for you at this point and this moment?
1: There, there is uh, actually um, uh, Amos five. Um, verse 21 through 24 in the Message Bible. Um, Can I read it? Yeah, please do. Please do. Yeah. Amos 5, verse 21 through 24 in the Message. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. That passage has just resonated deep with me right now. Um, In the context I'm in, in church in America, we have huge conventions. I've been to huge conferences that have these platforms where these public displays of corporate repentance or slavery, or injustice, or uh, and it happens on these big platforms, on stages with mics and cameras. But the trenches, you know, the the day to day, it's 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 missing, and there's such a vacuum, and there's silence. Uh, this here, George Floyd, has really been the loudest that i've seen people talk and share and there's a part of me that that i'm i'm hope i'm trying to keep hope alive that this means there's a change and not because this is a fad not because this is a very public hashtag and i got to join that movement because i don't want to be viewed as you know a part of the problem but then once it dies down and the cameras are no longer on and it's no longer trending i fall back to what is normal and i'm not motivated to keep building and growing in these places um to me I, i i'm just done with the hype i'm done with the cameras i'm done with the platforms uh this is a reality that uh, we have that's not a black problem. this is a human problem. Uh, this is a church problem, and if we are to be the body of Jesus Christ, we cannot ignore these issues and still keep our integrity in following Christ. Uh, we have to address this, be uncomfortable and grow and and so that word from the prophet Amos. Uh, it's just like this is what I want, you know. I I don't want your great worship services with smoke and lights and the the most popular song out of Be- out of Bethel and you know the skinny jeans and I I don't want, you know, this whole church culture, you know, uh, of conferences and and equipping and it's like look if this isn't flowing to the places of justice. For the least the last and the lost if this isn't going to the margins if this isn't bringing reconciliation then stop it's just noise and um that's really where my heart is at right now i'm not about any revival right now that does not flow and look like justice to those places
0: yeah that's so good wow okay thank you so much Thank you so much, Keith. And if there's one yeah. thing that we as a church can pray for you um, in America, <laughs> um,
2: you as,
1: yeah. Yeah. What, what can I, please, please pray that I could walk in a grace that looks like Jesus, that is willing to lay my life down where I, uh, for my brothers, for my friends, for my community, that I'm able to love in a supernatural way that's beyond what I'm able to do in myself. Because it gets hard and I, and I find places where I'm realizing I just can't do this in my own strength. I, I need something supernatural and divine to carry on uh, where this isn't impacting my health, and my mental health um because in my heart and my spirit wants to go on but sometimes i feel like it's challenging in my emotions and in my my physical body um it takes a toll um and so i want to be able to follow in the call that i know is on my life but i want to be able to do it in a way that um is healthy and mm-hmm. um and 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 wise to know how to lead in those spaces, so I could use prayer in that.
0: Yeah, well, we will pray for you. We'll pray for you. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll yeah. continue to pray for you over these coming days.
1: Thank you, thank you, Adam.